This is the podcast from First Baptist Church of Madison, North Carolina. I'm Dr. Chuck McGathy, and I welcome you as we now proceed into the second Sunday of Advent. This is the message entitled, Withering, Fading, and Forever. Our scripture passage today is from the book of Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. A voice cries out, and I say, What shall I cry? All people are grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother sheep. What makes Christians and the faith they follow different? Ask that question of most folks today, even those who willingly identify as Christian, and you are bound to hear a number of things. Spoiler alert. Many, if not most, of the answers given will be wrong. Just so you know, Our faith is not determined by how one believes about a biomedical debate, politics, or even how old is planet Earth. The single and only answer to the question, what makes Christians different, is this. Christians believe that the founder of their faith rose from death so that we might have life. As I introduced Advent last week, I spoke on this. Today I want to go a bit further as we explore the meaning and the evidence for the resurrection and its relationship to our Advent celebration. Well, not everyone believes in the resurrection. We know that. For them, the raising of Jesus from the tomb is a matter of wishful thinking or fantasy or both. But there are many, many thoughtful and intelligent people down through the ages and today who have embraced the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth as an historical fact. They moved from doubt to belief. In every case, it was some form of evidence that compelled a birth of faith. 
Evidence is defined in the Oxford American Dictionary as anything that establishes a fact or gives reason for believing something. Statements made or objects produced in a court as proof or support for a cause. One of the most interesting evidences for the truth of Christianity and in particular the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the testimony of former skeptics, many of whom attempted to disprove the Christian faith. The Scotsman William Mitchell Ramsey was a highly respected archaeologist, an atheist. He announced that he would study the book of Acts and demonstrate how ridiculous it was as history. The fellow skeptics who anticipated his book as a great refutation of early Christian history were tremendously disappointed. You see, after 15 years spent researching and digging through the archaeological evidence, he became convinced of the incredible accuracy of the book and then converted to Christianity himself. This former skeptic ended up calling Luke, the author of Acts, one of the greatest historians to ever live. Another who set about to disprove the myth of Christianity was journalist Frank Morrison. He studied specifically the resurrection. His book, Who Moved the Stone, is now a classic and has led many people to believe in Christ. Morrison writes in the preface of his book, somehow the perspective shifted, not suddenly as in a flash or insight of inspiration, but slowly, almost imperceptibly, by the very stubbornness of the facts themselves. The book, as it was originally planned, was left high and dry, like those Thames barges with the great river, as the, with the great river goes out to meet the incoming sea. The writer discovered one day that not only could he no longer write the book as he had once conceived it, but that he would not if he could. Many others from various fields of expertise have used their proficiencies to examine the claims of Christ and of Christianity. Two in particular have had a great personal influence upon me. Self-described atheist Josh McDowell once set out to write a paper in college to expose Christianity as a foolish myth. To his surprise, the opposite happened. He became so convinced that Christ was who he claimed to be, that he became a Christian and wrote an influential book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Andre Cole was a giant in the world of magic, creating illusions for some of the world's greatest magicians. He, for instance, was the mind that conceived of how to make the Statue of Liberty disappear, an illusion performed by David Copperfield. He was challenged to study the miracles, including the resurrection of Christ from a master magician's point of view. Through his investigation, Cole became convinced that this was no trick and has since dedicated himself to spreading the gospel through his magic, performing in more countries than any other magician in history. These are but three stories of bright, intelligent, and successful people who have had the courage to look for themselves before rejecting Christ. Now, Christ comes to us in many ways. We come to him in many ways. But no matter how it happens, the significance of the resurrection is a personal encounter. Whispers of the resurrection connected to the coming of the Messiah present themselves to the thoughtful Bible reader. Always, resurrection is personal. It is the moment 
in each of our lives when we come face to face with the power of God. Isaiah alludes to this in our passage today. The portion I want to focus upon begins in verse 6. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The heart of the meaning of Advent is the resurrection. It is the word that stands forever. Now, it is one thing to be convinced of the resurrection. Today, let's consider the significance of Jesus' resurrection. Without the resurrection, our Advent faith is in vain. South Carolina pastor Scott Walker, who I referred to last week, makes a remarkable statement in his book, Understanding Christianity. He says, as for Jesus, here was this charming, charismatic, seemingly eccentric Jewish man making the equally fantastic claim that he was the Messiah, the ultimate revelation of God. Granted, he was a gripping orator, and an incredible miracle worker, but the bottom line was he was a flash in the pan. He never made it. All that he ultimately did was get himself killed in a most ignoble fashion. It seemed that Jesus' claim was totally unfounded. For Walker, the feeling of that conclusion about Jesus reminded him of Samuel Beckett's play, Waiting for Godot. In this play, two tramps are seen on a bleak and dreary stage, anxiously talking to each other. They await another expected character named Godot. Though they anticipate him, long for him, speak of him, and wait hours for him, he never shows up. The stage darkens and the curtain drops upon their unfulfilled hopes and blunted expectations. Again, I return to Walker's words. And isn't it true for Christianity, for a while it seemed to Jesus' disciples milling on the gospel stage that Godot was finally with them. Then the stroke of tragedy, the stage was stripped bare and the terror of crucifixion had engulfed them. Godot did not come after all. I remember the advice I once received from a high school humanities teacher. With good-hearted intention, reflecting upon the wisdom of some Greek philosopher, she counseled our class, Do not build your life upon a single pillar, for if the waves come and wash away that pillar, the entire foundation will crumble. It struck me then, and still does, that this reasoning cannot work for the Christian. For the Christian has built his or her life upon one single pillar, confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It made me wonder if she had considered the words of the Apostle Paul. Eugene Peterson vibrantly translates this into modern conversational English. Listen as he puts the words of Paul into contemporary language. The first thing I did was place before you what was placed so emphatically before me. That the Messiah died for our sins, exactly as Scripture tells it. That he was buried, 
That he was raised from death on the third day. Again, exactly as scripture says. That he presented himself alive to Peter. Then to his closest followers. And later to more than 500 of his followers. All at the same time. Most of them still around. Although a few have since died. That he then spent time with James. And the rest of those he commissioned to represent him. And that he finally presented himself alive to me. If there's no resurrection, there's no living Christ. And face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors. Everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we passed on to you, verifying that God raised up Christ, sheer fabrications, if there's no resurrection. If corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't because he was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ and resurrection because they're already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up. The first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. How different. How bold is Paul's philosophy, yet it has endured the test of time. Because of the resurrection, we have reason to affirm the truth that God reveals himself through historical events. The original disciples were convinced of the resurrection. They had the evidence of the empty tomb. They had the evidence of Hebrew prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. They had seen, heard, and touched Jesus. They knew he was fully alive. Gradually, his message lived through his life and words became clearer to them. When we examine the facts of history, we too can become convinced that something took place to transform the lives of frightened followers of the man from Nazareth. Explanations for their change of behavior range from mass hallucination to outright deception to wishful delusion. Yet none of these hold up in the light of critical examination. You might recall that last week I cited a Jewish scholar, Penei Lapid. He was an interesting man who was both a Jewish theologian and Israeli diplomat. Though never a convert to Christianity, he had a fierce commitment to truth. No matter where it led, he is well worth listening to. For example, Lapid often quoted approvingly the English writer Samuel Taylor Coleridge's observation that he who begins by loving Christianity better than truth will proceed by loving his own sect or church better than Christianity and end by loving himself better than all. Now that is something the church today ought to listen to. It is because our God as described by both the Jewish and Christian scriptures as the God of truth. Because Lapid knew that, he wrote this. Without the Sinai experience, no Judaism. Without Easter experience, no Christianity. Both were Jewish faith experiences whose radiating power in different ways meant, was meant for the world of nations. For inscrutable reasons, the resurrection faith of Golgotha was necessary in order to carry the message of Sinai into the world. 
Both the original disciples and modern day disciples are energized by the resurrection. Do you remember what it was like when you first believed? When you first became convinced that Jesus really did rise from the grave? Did it change your perspective on the entire world, on the challenges that you face, even on your perspective of the world of world history? The significance of resurrection is that it changes us from hopeless to hopeful. We move from darkness into light. That is the meaning of Advent. No longer withering. No longer fading. But something that lasts forever. We too can affirm the ancient hope of Isaiah when he wrote, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. A time will come, however, when we will ask and may be asked critical questions. How does our faith respond? Take, for instance, the Apostle Thomas. As skeptical and critical as he was, when he saw the risen Lord, he can only declare, my Lord and my God. He could not explain the event. He didn't need to explain the event. The evidence was before him. But the situation was different several years later when Thomas was sharing his story with non-Christians. Suddenly he had to face their tough questions of how and why. Facing the tough questions of how and why. The poet Robert Frost expresses a truism that all who have lived a long life will recognize. With uncanny insight, he expresses what it means to live as if we are riding, riding a speeding train into the countryside. The poem is called A Passing Glimpse. It goes like this. I often see flowers from a passing car that are gone before I can tell what they are. I want to get out of the train and go back to see where they were beside the track. I name all the flowers I'm sure they weren't, not fireweed living where woods have burnt, not blue bells gracing a tunnel mouth, nor lupine living on sand and drought. Was something brushed across my mind that no one on earth will ever find? Heaven gives its glimpses only to those not in a position to look too close. The need for a written gospel. When he was with them, Jesus' disciples were too close to see Jesus for what he was. They were caught up in the events that swirled around them. Years later, they want to get out of the train. I often think about my father. He died two months before my 31st birthday. All those years I knew my father, I still did not know everything about my dad. Now, many years later, I believe I understand him more deeply and more accurately than I did before when he was with me. The same thing was true for the disciples and the great gift they gave to the, us was the gospels that they tell the world we reflect upon every week. So what is the significance of the resurrection to you? When you're facing trials and discouragement, hardship, challenges, even death. The knowledge that Christ rose from the dead changes everything. The solid foundation for our faith is the resurrection of Christ. Lean into that. Place your Advent hope in that. It is the solid pillar that can never be eroded no matter how many waves beat against it. If you've never put your faith in Christ, in the risen Christ, then why not today? 
This is your opportunity to believe. And if you can't believe, will you accept the challenge to investigate for yourself the truth of the resurrection? Let us pray. Lord of the resurrection, come to each one of us right where we are with our doubts, with our pain, with our hope, and even with our fear that we might be disappointed. Give us the courage to ask the question that your followers have always asked and so build within us a faith that can endure the test of time. We pray not only for ourselves, but for our world that darkness The darkness that dwells in the hearts of men might be expelled by the light that has come to save us. In his name we pray. Amen.